tonight on Rogue Padron. Saf is Alexander Freed? This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six, standing by. Rogue Seven, standing by. Rogue Nine, standing by. Rogue Three, standing by. Listeners, welcome to Season 20, Mission 11, Episode 164 of Rogue Padron. Tonight, we have a very special episode to actually wrap up Alphabet Squadron, which is something we've been saying for like several How are we still now. wrapping this up? <laughs> it's, it's a long wrap up. <laughs> season 21 should have just been the wrapping up Alphabet the Squadron season. <laughs> Whole season of wrap up episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but before we jump into that, a quick reminder of our hosts. If Heath, Rogue 3, was a houseplant, he would be an air plant because he doesn't need too much attention to stay alive, just a little spritz every now and then. Just a little, just a little something to a make sure something. I'm still, still <laughs> kicking around, yeah. <laughs> Danny, Rogue 6, would be little succulents because they're hearty and colorful and well-loved. Aww. Yeah, I love succulents. I have I've two so of many. those three things. Yeah. All of them. Danny. <laughs> Danny, you're all <laughs> You have all of them. I don't feel hearty, okay? Okay, that's fair. Go work on that. My constitution is low. (laughs) (laughs) My constitution's high. Okay, Ash, Ash, Rogue Nine, would be a bunny ear cactus because they live in the desert and they're also real cute. I love a bunny ear cactus. Saf, Rogue Seven, would be a Venus flytrap because she's exotic, but also a Mm. (laughs) (laughs) man-eater. I'm a man-eater? Yeah. Yeah. By definition. We had a Venus flytrap here for a while, but Spud kept trying to eat it. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And I'm Meg, rogue leader, and I would be a string of pearls because I'm very pretty, but also very fresh. Meg, Meg, Meg. Is it a string of pearls? I have a string of pearls. Boom! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have a lot of, I have a lot of plants. I have a lot of weird cacti and succulents, which is my favorite thing. Yeah. I love ugly succulents. Come to New Mexico, and then you can see the big, like... The big boy cactus. The yeah. Oh my god, yes. Okay. The big oh, boy. Just start a little blog <laughs> called Suggulants. Suggly, and, Suggliants. And you Suggliants? can eat a prickly no. pear straight off the cactus. <gasps> That's right. Like we, we do have, I watched a video about how to do that recently. Just we actually like had a huge prickly pear at a neighbor's house <laughs> and I keep wanting to steal the fruits, but now it's gone. Blue <laughs> does it in the jungle book. No, I know. It's a good reference. <laughs> You gotta grill it a little bit. It's it's actually pretty you gotta like like be careful with the prickles, right? Is prickly yeah, pear what do you I just really bite into? It. No, you don't just no, bite no. into it. It's got a lot you of like co- you, you gotta, gotta go listen to the bare necessities, Danny. <laughs> Not familiar. It's called prickly for a reason. Yeah, yeah come on. I'm just saying, Saf has a tendency I, to 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 Seth bite, not bite think, it, you know. Yeah, no, 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 no. I would put it past Saf to just take the whole prickly pear. And to not notice is the thing that I wouldn't put it past Saf. 
to just take a giant bite out of the cactus itself. Mm. <laughs> like, why are my why are my insides bleeding? I don't know. You can eat the whole well. part of the cactus. You, you make the like a cactus patty. You can grill it. <laughs> Damn it, Ash! Can we eat cactus when I visit you? Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Well, speaking of <laughs> eating cactus, uh, you may have figured out. From the very obvious hints I've been dropping, tonight we'll be having a conversation with Saf, aka S A F, aka Shadowson, Alexander, Freed. Woo! 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 So, Saf, let's jump straight into the interview. Shadowson, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, great. So, Alexander, do you go by Alexander or Alex or Al or Xander or like another cool nickname, <laughs> like Shadow, anything you want to? <laughs> we will call you anything. We make up a lot of names for characters. A- Alexander is good in a professional context. So. Okay, great. <laughs> so um, welcome to Rogue Padron, Alexander. Pew, pew, um, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> um uh, have you have you heard of Rogue Patrick? I guess is a good first question. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh no. Oh dear. Oh, have no. you have you listened to an episode of Rogue Patrick? I I have listened to a whole episode of Rogue Patrick. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh, no. Which one? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it just seemed seemed like good sense before coming on. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so you do kind of know what you're getting yourself into kind of okay great cool we're great. we're on our best behavior so whatever that means is. so first we're going to have all of the hosts introduce themselves and say who their favorite working group member is and why uh so heath please go first yeah my first my favorite uh working group member is chasnachetic because i too cannot drive anywhere without listening to music uh, my favorite is, uh, I'm Ash, and my favorite is Will, because I like a nice, good, soft boy. <laughs> Danny? Um, not to perpetuate me and Heath being the same person, but I think, I think Chas is my favorite as well. I just, uh, I, I wanted so badly for her to be okay, and she so rarely was. <laughs> and I just, like, felt that so deeply, although I guess that's a theme with all the characters. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Chas was your favorite from like the beginning. Like, she the was, very yeah. First and I mean, it was the Cass. music thing that that definitely was, and also being uh, one of the non-human characters as well. I really appreciated. Yeah, Saffles. Yeah. yeah, mine is Kyros because she's really weird and cool, <laughs> <laughs> and also she wears like a helmet mask, and I love that. Love those helmets. <laughs> um, and her. I'm Meg, and my favorite is Will. Uh, Will such a dumbass and I love him um, <laughs> <laughs> but he means so well he was he wasn't supposed to be there but anyway um Alexander who was your favorite member of the working group favorite is is such a, a delicate word I mean you know, <laughs> I my heart is certainly with Quell right there's a reason she is kind of the lead through through all uh, all three books but uh you know, if we're if we're gonna go with the whole working group, uh, someone has to speak up for uh, for Aiden. So uh, so I'll <laughs> I'll express my my love for him. He he tries. He really does. He does, and I respect that. 
Um, so we also have some other getting to know you questions that, you know, correlate with some other things that like we usually do in our show. We do host intros and they are always kind of weird. So um, if you were a natural disaster, what would you be and why? <laughs> Ooh, natural disasters. So I don't know, for some reason, the the first thing that that springs to mind is monsoon, but I can't explain. Ooh. I'm going to go with climate change. I'm going to go oh, with no. climate change. <laughs> Relentless. Like, Relentless, very slow and subtle, but kind of inevitable. In A end. lot of oh, people no. deny your existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, we're on a good start. <laughs> answer. Okay, so you you are familiar with the Dungeons and the Dragons, correct? I am. I okay, am. I, I worked in the pen and paper world for a good number of years. Awesome. So what class do you most like relate to? Well, what, what edition are we talking about? Uh, five. five yeah, let's go with fifth because that's what most people hear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fifth edition. Warlock? On a... Nice. Wait, I have a, I have a follow-up question to that. <laughs> if I asked you what AD&D class, would you have an answer to that? <laughs> Well, that 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 one's harder. It it narrows it down significantly. Uh, we'll we'll go with rogue for that one. Rogue is a nice, flexible, not really good at anything, but has a lot of you know <laughs> kind of a jack of all trades, you know, small uh, small talents and abilities. Yeah. That yeah, in I very see. very specific circumstances, <laughs> turn out to be highly useful. <laughs> Great. Do you know anything about Pokemon? Not really. Okay, we'll skip that question. <laughs> Danny also didn't know much about Pokemon, so then we did a Pokemon episode on Rogue Patron. It was very helpful. Yeah, if you need another episode to listen to, I highly recommend. There's a Pokemon one. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like I have the, the cultural osmosis amount of Pokemon. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where I was at. Like, I know what a Pikachu is. <laughs> that's a good start. Great. Um... <laughs> If you were a nice place for a nap, where would it be and why? I were a nice place for a nap. Yeah, like, like a location, not like a location. An yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so not would be an object or Could like be an object. retriever, but um... yeah, more of a place like Saf was a picnic blanket in the park, for example. I'm gonna go with isolation chamber. Ooh, Ooh. nice. I like it. Oh, I would love to be in isolation chamber right now. Okay. Um, and this is important. anything but this interview, really. <laughs> from from the isolation egg. We can ah. do that. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> on this podcast, we're also big fans of Panera, aka Breadco, if that's a, another name for it. Have you have you been to Panera? I have I don't think I've ever been inside a Panera. Uh, I have I have been part of group lunches that ordered from Panera. Yeah, also uh, very popular. Okay, um, that's, I guess, another homework assignment is to <laughs> listen to the Panera Padron episode. No, don't listen, just go get Panera. <laughs> don't, don't listen to anything, just go get Panera. Great. Tell us how it is. <laughs> Great, and for our last Gang Tony question, if you were a type of salad, what would it be and why? I think I would go with like a nice, fairly traditional like spinach, 
goat cheese, walnut, cranberry sort of thing, right? Like nothing, nothing too fancy, but you know, some nice ingredients in there and ultimately fairly, fairly tasty, but not, not spectacularly memorable. Okay. That's my favorite kind of salad, honestly. If I remember the salad, it's never great. It's a good salad. Yeah. So um, something we do every week on this show is we ask a uh, question about Star Wars because we are, in fact, contrary to popular <laughs> belief, a Star Wars podcast. Um, <laughs> so I had a question for you. You've, uh, you've mentioned before that the X-Wing books were at least a little bit of an inspiration for Alphabet Squadron. So I was immediately curious if you had like a, a rogue or wraith that you would want to see interact with Alphabet Squadron at all? So I've never actually read the uh, the original X. Like they are clearly the seed from which Alphabet Squadron has grown, and I made sure to like familiarize myself with them on sort of a conceptual level. Level and you know I sat down, I would page through them, and be like, okay, how is this? How are these handling these things? I've never actually sat down and read any of them. That's something uh, you and the, Heath have in common. <laughs> for, for lack of a better I read a answer, couple of them. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the horse guy. Uh, yes, front yes. was was always yes. the, the character who got brought up in the uh, the old Republic writers' room as like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's that horse species, isn't there? Hohas runt equish. Who was yeah. a thackwash? That'd be, I would love to see Hohas interact with Alphabet Squadron, actually, because I feel like Hohas was just like this bundle of positive energy in a way that I don't think any of those five have ever understood or experienced in their lives. So it would be a very interesting yeah. dynamic to see like how they react to to Mister like the party organizer, <laughs> right? The uh, the morale officer as Wedge promoted yeah. him. <laughs> You know, I I have I don't know if it's unironic or not, but I I do genuinely miss the the old EUs. Like, hey, let's take a random Earth animal and <laughs> right? Like, you have the whale people, you have the horse people. Okay, follow up question then, Alexander. If you are going to bring one species of Earth animal into the Star Wars galaxy verbatim, just like it's a person that's a, a cat. What animal would you want to bring in? Oh, that that's a hard one. You'd want you'd want some animal that is very, very recognizable, but all like you don't want a domesticated animal. You don't want like a Komodo dragon or something. Because you know, you already have all the lizard reptilian people. <laughs> yeah. You need I think you'd need some sort of large land mammal like a woolly mammoth? maybe or oh. a capybara or oh my god a capybara. I, I, I think the capybara people i think they're, i think they would they're work so cute they'd be yeah, so cute they'd be oh, friends with it. everyone and oh, capybara jedi youngling oh especially oh. <laughs> with that that video of the stork trying to get the capybara and it can't um, it was going around Twitter a little while ago, but <laughs> the cat bear was just unbothered. Like the stork kept snapping at, and cat bear was like, "You can try to pick me up." Maybe that's why we haven't heard of them because they're like, there's Star Wars happening all around them, and they're just like, they're chilling. Eh. <laughs> there, there's the Switzerland of the uh, the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I love that. Okay, Capybarans, the Switzerland of Star Wars. Great head ca- new canon. Except you heard it here first. We got our exclusive. All right. 
All right. Well, speaking of new canon, thank you for that wonderful segue, Meg. Um, <laughs> we actually have some questions about the trilogy, uh, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> uh, we've read all of the books. We've done a lot of like deep analysis of them. Um, we've laughed. We've cried. Uh, we thought Nord Candine was an idiot. Also, we're going to have a fun time with you actually pronouncing character names and us realizing we're probably saying them all wrong. Um, <laughs> and we have a lot of things we want to ask you about. Um, so first of all, how dare you? Who gave you the right? <laughs> um, really, the the fine folks at Disney and Delray Publishing, a subsidiary of Penguin Random House. They legal responsibility for it. So yeah. So emotional damages go to them, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. I'm great. pretty sure I'll have to double check my my contract to see if. Uh, I am protected from emotional damages, but I'm pretty sure I am. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. All right, Delray, you better watch out. Oh no, I love the five folks at Delray too much to just say that. <laughs> uh, okay, but seriously, why are you so good at writing emotionally gut punching in real moments in space fantasy? What is your like process or inspiration for constructing such powerful moments? So the the moments themselves. So I, I know writers who approach their, their craft by sort of coming up with, oh, this, this seems like it would be a ma an amazing moment. How do I build out around this? How do I get there? Um, that's generally not how I do things. I usually come up with sort of ideas that I want to explore characters and plot lines that are going to support those ideas and then kind of work down from there. Um, and mostly those, the, the big emotional moments ought to emerge naturally if I've set up interesting ideas and characters and conflicts to play with. Um, every now and then I'll be like, a, ooh, wouldn't, wouldn't this be a cool sort of moment and, you know, write it down and see if there's a way that it will fit into my, my outlining process. But yeah, I, I think if you've got something to say and good stuff going on, then hopefully those, those moments will emerge organically. That's neat. That's really similar to how my writing process is as well. So I'm like, haha, that's valid. But it does work really well and it makes a lot of sense um, explained like that. I mean, the, the downside of it is that it gives you a lot of sort of coasting time, right? Which is sort of, I feel like that's necessary for the sorts of things that I'm doing. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Alphabet Squadron books are not a thrill a minute, right? There are, you know, when they're working, they are a thrill and then a lot of contemplation of that thrill and consequences of that thrill and building up to the next thrill, which does not have the sort of rollicking momentum that, you know, other approaches to storytelling can have. So it's, but I do think it's, it's at least the way I get to the, the peaks that I am able to get to. Okay, you say it's not a thrill a minute, but it is definitely an emotion a minute. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> what would you? What would be your elevator pitch for this trilogy? How would you convince someone to read it who hasn't 
even if there may be co-hosts on a podcast that did episodes on the book. I mean, assuming that it was someone sort of familiar and fond of Star Wars, because uh, I would probably approach it a little differently um, if if this person were totally new to the franchise. Um, I would say this is the story of the war, you know, in the year after Return of the Jedi and what it is like for sort of ordinary pilots on both sides to adjust to what has happened and to you know live through this this catastrophic moment in history also not to be relevant about star wars but how much crossover process wise if any was there was something say the bad batch oh so bad batch i was totally unaware of Uh, Uh, okay the the thing to keep in mind though is like Story group is kind of tricky. Um, like they're, they're good at kind of nudging you in directions that they want you to go and being real innocent about it and being like, oh, here's, here's an idea. Um, you know, take it or leave it. You, you don't have to go with it. And, you know, they're genuinely good about that. It's not a take it or leave it, but, you know, you're not going to get any more work if you leave it. No, it's like they're, they're genuinely very collaborative and and open to where authors want to go but there's there's a lot of stuff where it's like oh maybe touch on on this this might be interesting and you never know if it's coming from just a place of editorial interest or a place of oh this this may link in somewhere um but yeah bad bad batch was not on the uh in the active discussion lots and lots of discussion about uh, the Squadrons game and the TIE Fighter comic and mm. sort of direct uh, crossover uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about Bad Bat. I didn't know it was a thing until it was announced. That makes sense. That's Is that like super exciting for you? Or are you just kind of like, ah, oh, cool. Like, like what is that feeling when, when something that you created is like showing up in other parts of Star Wars? Um, I mean, I, at this point, it's all such a muddle. I don't even know <laughs> what, I, I was, I, I'm excited when the really obscure stuff shows up in some way. Like I was very excited when, I mean, not, you know, celebrating and, you know, going on a three-day bender, but I was, I found it very charming um, when I saw that, like the one line, you know, planet Nicadia from Twilight Company turned up in Aftermath. And I was like, oh, someone someone remembered that or at least looked it up on Wikipedia. That's kind of fun. <laughs> I got excited uh, about that as well. Yeah. It, it's the weird little stuff that's like, oh yeah, no, that's that is me. That is that is my tiny little imprint on the universe. Yeah, that's awesome. Well we wanted to, I mean, as you said yourself, like these are very character driven maybe more so than plot driven stories and and so we really just wanted to sort of talk about the characters um and so let's start with erica who arguably the the main character of the trilogy as much as there is one um and the thing about erica is that she was just so frustrating and so relatable at the exact same time like every time she's making a decision that's making me go oh my god why are you doing that and also i can totally see myself doing the exact same thing in the situation why am i doing that so just like how like what is your process for creating a character who is, I mean, just in general, like you're looking at Erica, how do you create this character that is so real 
and also makes us so frustrated at every turn. <laughs> yeah, that's it's an interesting question. I'm I'm thinking back to sort of the initial you know, the initial sketching of notes and like figuring out where she was going to come from. And, you know, as, as I mentioned before, right, a lot of it is figuring out, all right, what are the big ideas that I want to be playing with and knowing like, okay, well, this is, this is an aspect that I want to, I want to pull in and then pulling, you know, playing with sort of Star Warsy character archetypes and, you know, eventually you jam everything together and you get some sort of semblance of, of a character. Um, but in terms of sort of, in terms of grounding her in that uh, indecisive, difficult, makes a lot of bad decisions human side, I think that's partly just how I approach characters in general is I, I like them to be very grounded in the sorts of things that we don't like to really talk about a lot, mm. uh, right? You know, there are, I don't think there's anything wrong with going, hey, let's take the, the biggest aspects of a person, build a character and a story around that and have that like bright shining light of a very clear concept illuminate these ideas and be a relatable character in that way like i i don't want to imply that you know my approach to grounding things is somehow superior or more revealing or more insightful um but i yeah i tend to approach it from the okay what do what are all the weird little thoughts that go through people's heads you know what are the weird paths that they get knocked down um and I think it's it's particularly fun to do that within a a Star Wars context because it's not something that is inherent to the films but must exist within that universe, right? It it shouldn't clash with the the iconic vision of Star Wars as depicted in the movies, um, but it's something different and it it ought to be able to complement it in an interesting way. Um, the, the hardest part from, from that angle when it came to uh, conceptualizing, well, I know this is a long rambly answer. Uh, That's why we invited you here. <laughs> no, it's a good answer. It's a good answer. Was figuring out how to, how to avoid making her totally unsympathetic. Mm. Um, and that was very much a let's front load a lot of the stuff that's going to make people like her as a character and make them sympathize with her as a character, as much as there's anything. I know there were people who from page one found her, you know, difficult to, to live with, but at least front load that in sort of the first chunk of uh, the first book. And really kind of, we don't start seeing her at her her worst until we get the revelations about her at the end of book one mm -hmm. and then shadow falls she's in a much worse place um but that that revelation about her had to be after she had gotten some degree of reader sympathy or people would have just totally bounced off her she would have been the same character but it would have it would have been asking too much from readers to go like hey well, want to read about a war criminal? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, 
So you're saying this person did a genocide is not a good lead in to introducing someone <laughs> if you want them to be sympathetic. That that would be my advice. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, pro writing advice. <laughs> so uh, so one of the things that um, I really connected with with the character of Chess, and one of the things that I found like weirdly one of the most human elements I've ever like read in a Star Wars book is that Chas listens to music while she's flying. Cause you don't really think, we, we know that music as a concept exists in Star Wars, but it's not really a thing. Han Solo is not like listening to metal music in the Millennium Falcon or anything. Is there a particular place that that idea came from or was it just like, oh, it'd be cool to have her listen to music in her, in her oh. ship? I mean, there, I, I can't remember what uh, specifically brought that on, but it, it came from a place of, you know, I was talking about sort of the, the emotional grounding side of things, but also, you know, I, I try to find ways to do the kind of everyday living grounding, like make, make it feel like these characters exist within a world. Um, you know, that this is part of the reason why, you know, you get the tangents on like, oh, what's Coruscant cuisine? And, you know, all of these little bits of, of world building um, and slapping, you know, some of that directly onto a character in a major way feels like a good way, you know, at least as I'm approaching it, I go, okay, yeah, let's, let's make these people feel a little more lived in. Let's make them feel like this, the Star Wars universe is not an alien universe, right? Like this is, this is a world very much grounded in American life circa the second half of the 20th century and the start of the 21st. And so these characters should have hobbies that feel relatable. This is not, you know, weird science fiction transhumanism. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the reasoning. I don't remember why I ended up going with music specifically. Um, it's... I don't know if it was a good or a bad uh, idea, given that I don't have to, you know, if it were a film, you'd have to actually make all of that music and it would probably be a lot more of a pain, whereas I could just <laughs> kind of breeze over that with the, just, just throw out some names and it's leave, leave I, the rest of the reader. Uh, I do think it's something that does kind of instantly ground the character because everybody I know listens to music while they drive. Yeah, you I know, listen to like, music it, and it, yell it, real loud with it when I drive. <laughs> I have to say the choice in, in book three for her to stop listening to music and start listening to podcasts and then immediately everyone around her found her completely unbearable was also super relatable. <laughs> stop listening well, to that, podcasts. That, of course, is taken from life. <laughs> Chess's cult podcast. <laughs> Always a good Okay, choice. but as a fan production, we should probably make that. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I do have background knowledge on cults, so like, yeah, we can do that. Um, anyway, so in Shadowfall, uh, Nord Candine's blood sacrifice to the messenger. Why? Why did that? <laughs> just that why was, you do that? That was like the most yikes moment, and I felt like I was soaring keys in that moment of just like, what? What is happening? <laughs> I mean, it, it just seemed like common sense, really. I mean, is that what you would do if you were a TIE pilot on that ship and the Emperor's messenger wasn't responding? Like, that just... Maybe blood will work. 
Maybe yeah. blood will work. Specifically when, you put it, when you put it that way, I actually am like, okay. I mean, it's not Maybe the first thing you tried, right? There were all sorts of other trinkets there. Like, it's not stupid. He doesn't go right to the blood as the, you know, the first solution for everything. But okay, that's got to be on the list somewhere. Okay, that's good to know because, like, Nord is someone that we keep seeing make these bad decisions <laughs> but it's comforting to know that he tries many things before it gets to the blood sacrifice or yeah i'll be a droid slave for a year for payment in this <laughs> like that's cool <laughs> so that's yeah cool. unfortunately that kind of was his first uh first <laughs> year in that situation but you know he, he was given a yes or no question yeah. so it's not like he came up with the idea right right my favorite like the first time i read the book and she like leaves and he's like oh yeah nord like pledged himself to this droid i had to put down the book i was just like nord indeed what are you doing nord <laughs> also thank you for naming him nord because it's been so we fun to it. say yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're a big fan on this podcast of names, and we'll get to that question later, Danny. Um, so my favorite dynamic, especially throughout like the last two books, was Will and Nath. Um, but I noticed that like in in the first book, we kind of talk about how Will is a, a fleshy peasant boy, and then as he. <laughs> As he gets more that's gone. Not, that's not exactly the no. omniscient narrator is just of it, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> As, that wasn't a direct uh, quote from the book. Well, it's a direct quote, but it's a direct character. It is a direct quote. Direct quote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> The, the more gaunt Will gets over time, the more I noticed Nath being described as like beefy and meaty. So was Nath taking all of Will's energy to make himself more powerful and more beefy? Well, you, you, have, you have revealed the secret uh, <laughs> cut subplot of uh, Nath being an Anzati. Um, who is slowly <laughs> devouring uh, Will on the side. I thought so. I thought no, I, like, I think the actual explanation for that um, is, and this this is not so much a defense as a, yeah, this, this happens. Um, I got more and more shorthandy in describing the characters as the books went on. Mm-hmm. Because of course, you know, by book three, if the reader hasn't figured out what the characters look like, like, I've kind of given up on you as a <laughs> like, I, That's on us. I'm amazed oh, no. <laughs> you're still reading the book and like, I'm glad to take your money, but really you're better off just walking away at that point. Um, and so, yeah, so you end up just sort of, or I end up at least, end up defaulting to a couple of adjectives and catchphrases, possibly more than uh, than is strictly necessary. <laughs> I mean, no, we, we love a beefy Nath. Yeah, we podcast. love that Nath is beefy. Um, it just was so funny because we didn't really notice it, but we noticed it more as time went on. <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, wait a, wait a minute. Like every, every scene is just like, oh, well, not every scene, but like often it's like, Nath throws his meaty body into a chair and I'm just like, great. I do want to notice this. At least I alternated between meaty and beefy. Yes. Yeah. 
did appreciate that was very good <laughs> right like more generally w were you intentionally infusing a little bit of sexual tension into their relationship <laughs> or is that just a reflection on who we are as people that we picked up on that i would say that that was not intentional but i don't think it's a wrong reading of it great thank uh, you for that validation yeah <laughs> you know i yeah i mean that that was not an angle that i was that i was aiming at but i am i am always happy for you know, like my intentions don't really matter um i'm i'm a strong believer of you know you know what's what's on the page matter and if people interpret this stuff in a different light like that's that's totally valid and i can absolutely see how one would get there um i think my biggest ob obstacle um on that one is just we know so little about math as kind of a a sexual being um there there's not a lot there but that also leaves a lot open for interpretation yeah it was more that you know like yeah he calls will brother all the time but like so do Bass and Chirrut, and they're definitely space married. So, like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, I mean, you can, I, you can definitely get there without, without making a big jump, right? Like, it's, it's a little hop. Yeah, it's the, it's the, I, my copy is highlighted on Kindle, um, with all, with all of like the little parts where it's like, Will's not here for, for like, Nath is thinking that Will's not here, so he doesn't have to protect him. So why is he even here? And I'm like, hmm, why are you there then? <laughs> all, of these, all of these things. So thank yeah, you for I, validating me. I, I think you could actually, I mean, and again, I'm just, I am now pretending to be in the reader seat rather than the yes. author seat and looking yeah. at these characters and thinking about them and thinking, I think you could make a very strong argument for Nath having that attraction and kind of repressing it a bit, I think it's a little harder on Will's side because I feel like Will would probably be more open about it to himself. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'd have to, I, yeah, just a thought. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was definitely a lot of Nath running away from his feelings. <laughs> that that does seem to be a theme. Whatever those feelings were, he was definitely running, running. away from <laughs> He had a feeling he ran from it. <laughs> I definitely grew to Nath. I grew to Nath more. I grew to love Nath more the more we got through the books. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I know you just talked about like if people don't have an idea of how a character looks, they should put down the books. Um, <laughs> great news. My next question is: um, I love Kairos. I love her entire thing, and I love her culture and everything. Um, do you have an idea in your head of what she looks like under the mask? I had yeah. some idea. Um, it is it is intentionally a little bit murky uh, within the the actual text. Um, one because she's she's sort of weird looking, and two there are you know there's changes going on, and you know I Star Wars we define so much about the aliens and because they're on screen for the most part, we have such a clear sense of it. I actually like science fiction that tends to depict alien species more by mood than exact physicality because I'm not sure what the point past a certain, I mean, okay, there are lots of reasons to get into <laughs> 
detailed physical descriptions. But if for certain types of, of writing, especially for sort of big space opera writing rather than, you know, kind of hard science fiction where, hey, like the biology of this character really matters and is interesting <laughs> and helps define, you know, how they act and what their personality is like. Um, or even just a, you know, a novel that really just uh, embraces, uh, you know, clothing and, you know, physical appearances and, you know, all sorts of different traits as a, as a storytelling technique and style. Um, that's not so much my natural operating mode. And I like painting sort of, okay, this, this thing is alien. It's supposed to evoke these feelings. It's supposed to give you enough to sort of picture something in your head, but it's fine if that's different from person to person. Um, and that was kind of my goal with, with Kairos. Um, and really most of Kairos's planet as well. Um, I, I suspect people have fairly different pictures of it. Mm. Without yeah. even realizing it, you've just settled a like episodes long feud between two of the hosts <laughs> in like crabs. the most beautiful way. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, great. We can each have our own interpretations. I love it. Yeah, no, that's very good. I do like that. Um, oh, I was going to say something else, but now I've totally forgotten what it was. Um, show, show me some sketches of Kairos and I'll tell you which one is right and the other. <laughs> okay, cool. All okay, right, great. Benny. <laughs> <laughs> um, my services are available for hire for sketching. <laughs> Um, Me actively Googling I, grasshopper reference picks. <laughs> <laughs> that should be uh, our, our next listener question. We have them all draw Kyra. Oh, oh my yeah. God, yes. <laughs> we great, great question for an audio format. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, we need to read those out. <laughs> yeah, we gotta. Um, I think about, I actually had a thought about Kairos, which I don't usually do. I usually leave Kairos all up to Seth. But like, I re-listened to the Kairos' story from Alphabet Squadron, and I got really mad because exactly what we find out in Victory's Price is the story that Kairos is telling. And I yep. remember we had no clue <laughs> what was happening. And I just got so mad that I'm like, it's exactly that. Of course it's that. <laughs> and like, actually in a way, like I did fully understand her story when she said it, like when she did the whole, whole thing, but I had no idea how to describe what I understood in it until like Victory's Price came out and actually went through it. And I was like, that that was what I was thinking. Except we, like in less clear had, terms, obviously. We had so many stupid theories that none were We had right. so many stupid theories. <laughs> but that's Rock Quadrant for you. Um, I just like, that doesn't also explain why I've like attached, not attached, why I've gotten so attached to Kairos is because I really love that type of storytelling that's quite like vague and um, alien and weird. Like that's, I love that. And getting that in Star Wars was like the most exciting thing. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I have a strong love for uh, sort of surreal fantasy and I, I, I love the tradition of the just the, the anti-Tolkien, like not we're going to, to layer everything out in a convincing semblance of a real world. I mean, I think that stuff is fantastic, um, but going to the sort of more the earlier pulpier uh, stuff, you know, the, the Howards and C.L. Moores and, uh, you know, the Clark Ashton Smiths and the E.R. Edisons and, you know, even going up to the, you know, stuff like Gormenghast or 
uh, M. John Harrison or Moorcock or, you know, all of these stuff where it's, okay, we're doing science fiction fantasy knowing that this is a metaphor. Um, let's just paint these weird vivid pictures and string them together in something vaguely dreamlike that makes you come away from it feeling something and thinking about things um and you know star wars is not that but you can certainly see my my love of that stuff coming through in uh in my star wars work um, so the, uh, the, the whole alphabet trilogy prominently features my favorite character in Star Wars, Harrison Dula. And I was curious about like what the, the process of writing a character like that is because she has such kind of a history and already kind of established character traits and things like that. I was wondering if it's like, if it's, if it's kind of fun to play within those parameters or if it's kind of a challenge. I mean, it's, it's both, right? Like it is the, the challenge is what do you do with this character past, you know, past a cameo, right? Figuring out, okay, how is, how is this character worth having in the story from just a pure storytelling perspective and not just everyone likes this character, let's spend more time with her, um, which works for a short time, but then sort of ends up feeling hollow in the end. Um, you know, and she's not my character, right? So figuring out, all right, how do I tell a story in which she is a vital role where you couldn't just remove her and, you know, swap someone else in there? Um, how, do, how do you make her an integral part of this story, building on what we know about her, not changing her so much that, you know, I am hijacking future storytelling opportunities with her? Um, but also like she's a great character and it the challenge can be interesting and working with her can be interesting. And, and for me, part of the fun of her was that, you know, when I figured out what I wanted to be doing with her, her role within that trilogy is kind of the Star Wars character, not just in the sense of being a recognizable part of the franchise, but in terms of who she is, she, she represents those ideas of, you know, the, the hero's journey stuff, the found family stuff, the, you know, going from kind of a nobody to, you know, a great leader, right? Like all the stuff that is really, you know, built into the, the spine of, uh, of the films. Um, and having her in there sort of makes her a natural contrast with the, the sort of murkier, less um, less filmic characters, um, and having her there to play against everyone became like, okay, this is this is great. This is what she does. Um, I don't know if that exactly answers your question. Yeah, All I think right. you did a uh, a wonderful job with her. <laughs> She made, uh, her her bits made me cry multiple times. <laughs> yeah, they were like. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a Jedi on board? <laughs> Again, um, see also previous question: Who gave you the right, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am glad damage. that she eventually gave Quell a hug. Quell needed this. <laughs> I feel like she gives several hugs through, and she's probably the only one. Will probably gives a hug or two somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of hugging in those books, though, and <laughs> she's probably a good 80% of it, at least. I mean, she's a really problem. good hugger. <laughs> I'd love to be hugged by Harrison Dula. 
<laughs> among us. Yeah, truly. You don't think so, there would be awkwardness about like where the head tails actually fall? I mean, <laughs> That's a really good point. I Your hands go over or under over. the head tails? Exactly. Like is under too intimate? Is like over just super weird and awkward? You do like one under, one over. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's super intimate. Just go over the shoulders. Like, rest, <laughs> rest over your shoulders. Oh my god. Oh, I nice want that now, and I'm like having a panic attack. Yeah, it sounds like, like nice, super calming. Like actually, nice that's not calming. Forces yeah. your shoulders to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, like Leku, masseuse. Leku for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yes, and then the Tegruda are like the hard mode Twi'lek hugging. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, you like Twi'lek hugging? <laughs> Have you met? <laughs> getting weird. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Rogue Padres. Uh Speaking of getting weird, you made a torture droid a therapist, and it worked so well. How? You know. But also, I, like, what what was the thought process of like I should make a torture droid a therapist? Yeah. So I I, I think part of it was. I'm trying to remember my exact thought process. I think there were there were separate tracks of okay, maybe you know, a therapist would be a useful character within this sort of context, right? Like a lot of characters with a lot of different secrets, um, you know, who aren't necessarily going to vocalize this stuff, um, you know, don't want to just like totally exposition all of it onto the page. And like therapy is not uh it's not the most dramatic thing, but it's it's a better dramatization than just pure internal monologue. Um, so I think that that's partly how I got to the therapist point. And then the the torture droid aspect, I've kind of been looking for an excuse to write a torture droid in for years. <laughs> Great. You know, no further questions. Yeah, self, <laughs> self-indulgence. Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, love some style of self-indulgence. Like we we had uh, we had talked about like the notion of a torture droid companion character on the old Republic back when I was at Bioware, and like I think a couple of other opportunities had had come up because you know they're they're a fun visual. Like they you immediately know what's going on. <laughs> There. the needle and just like yeah yeah i mean you you know what they are um, make it a, but make it a therapist and I, yeah i think somewhere when i was just going through my notes the the notion of oh that would be funny yeah. <laughs> popped into my mind i mean it is incredibly funny <laughs> it works so well i mean that's Very what we fans all of is like what's the funniest way to do this thing yeah. But oh, then uh, also you went and did your freed thing because we asked our listeners last week what the moment was that gave them the most feels in the entire trilogy. And I think about half of them specifically called out the moment when Ido reverts back to a torture droid. Like, so not only was it funny, but also it made people cry. Like just the way that you are able to balance those two is just wild. Well, and I, I knew kind of as, as soon as I started thinking, this is, this is the way I want to go. I knew I needed to play it straight. Right, I did not want to do the the wacky like droid who occasionally like says this crazy thing. I mean, those are fun, and there are so many good examples of them. You know, there's there's the K2SOs of the world. There's the HK you know forty sevens. Right, like there's lots of good examples of them, um, and it just felt like no, like that's that's too much for for this in this context so this needs to be a real character um and at that point it's it's kind of an easy emotional moment to go from okay 
we're going to build this character up as a real character who is going to be a source of emotional vulnerability for another character. And there's a, just the concept is a ticking time bomb. And yeah, I mean, at, at that point, I, I wasn't going to turn away from it. I was like, no, <laughs> it's too obvious. I'm not, I'm not going to make him go bad. That would just, yeah. Yeah, I can pick the low hanging fruit sometimes. <laughs> Fair, yeah. I mean, our our most. I mean, I didn't see it coming. You say it's a ticking time bomb. I didn't see that coming at all. It's literally shaped like a bomb. Um, but like, yeah, we as we read all of the X Wing books, the like the most common thing we would say is really just that like these pilots need a therapist. They need a therapist so much, and then you gave us a therapist, and it was a torture trainer. We're like. Is this the monkey paw wish coming through? <laughs> we get a lot of monkey paws and stuff. These kids need therapy. Here's a torture droid. And we're like, huh, okay. Thanks. More, no, more not, needles not like than that. I assume. Not like that. Not like Until that. it all goes bad, Ito is a pretty decent therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll hand that to a good it. therapist, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so good that Quo could like manifest them and it would be still a good therapist. Good work, Quo. So we've talked, we've, we've alluded to a lot of the background characters already. Obviously we uh, paid attention to background characters. And so a couple of questions about them. One is just, what is your favorite background character name that you came up with? Oh, background character name. Um, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm forgetting like one that I'm just totally in love with. I, does, does Satanique qualify as a background? <laughs> yeah, <character>? absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm fond of that one. Um, I'm I'm sure there is someone in the in the depths of uh, you know the the two hundred fourth roster who, uh, who I'm like yes that name I'm gonna <laughs> I I just remembered I just remembered Garl Lichen and I <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can just say some of the names because I remember. <laughs> Garl Lycan. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, Garl Lycan, Palal Cedia, like, uh, Nordkin, Nord. you know, like, Nord. what is your, how did you come up with all the names? Like, eventually there are so, like, there are so many names you have to come up with when you write Star Wars. Like, are you eventually just, like, stringing random letters together and seeing what works? I try to avoid that, although I'm not <laughs> going to say never. Um, like, a, a lot of it is um, trying to think of some names that sound that you know looking at phonemes from sort of different uh, cultural sources of names and going like okay you know this is this is not a german name but it it sounds like it maybe could be a german name to american ears when you slap some of those syllables together and that's that's how you get something like garl like it's it's basically carl but it's with a g it's not, like it's not great invention, but it's it's not wild. Oh, contraire, sir. <laughs> yeah, girl, like perfect. Girl, we, like we love, we love we, like like silly Star Wars names like that so much. Um, yeah. it's one of my favorite things. So pretty much any time a side character came in, I um the I would make sure to read it out on the podcast. <laughs> Just for the full catalog. Yeah. 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 Need it for the wiki. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I should have, as soon as you asked that, I should have pulled up like a Wikipedia entry for, for one of the books and see if someone had just listed everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, there are characters who definitely come back 
just because I liked their names more than other characters. Um, right, you know, you, you need to bring someone in just to deliver one line or be a reference to someone and it's like, oh, who, who do I want to, do I want to make something new? Do I want to pull from someone I've already thrown out? Oh yeah, I like that name. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring Twitch back, right? Like Twitch yeah. is, is absolutely <laughs> a character who doesn't really have a lot to her besides the name. She is sharp and bitter. She's sharp and bitter. <laughs> we remember that. <laughs> But yeah, like Twitch, Twitch survived to to show up in a whole separate uh, separate trilogy from her start, just because. Of, uh. <laughs> you yeah, you don't you don't strike me as someone like listening to you talk. You don't strike me as someone that has like elaborate head cannons about your characters. Like what's on the page is kind of their story. But I'm curious, like, is there a background character that you're like? Actually, I know that this person was off doing this other thing, and it's hilarious to me. Like, do you have a favorite sort of head cannon about a background character and what they're up to during these books? I don't. I mean, I certainly have characters who I know if I needed to develop them further, I know the direction I would take them. Um, but usually not a lot more than that, right? Like if I needed to make Twitch a point of view character, um, I think I could without a lot of uh a lot of sort of sitting down and re-examining and figuring out like, okay, who is this character really? Um, but in terms of like characters actually doing things at specific moments or like, yeah, not not a lot of that. Usually partly because it's just easier to then uh, pull them into whatever need I have for them. Um, leaving, leaving some open space to work helps a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense because you actually get to like write Star Wars canon and we don't. <laughs> so we have to make a bit canon. That's true. <laughs> um, okay, so in Shadowfall again, there's one part where Nath splits chewable calf with Will. What is chewable calf? Is it We have like not gum? stopped thinking about this for months. <laughs> It's more like gum, jerky, or fruit leather, or something else entirely. I haven't slept. Since <laughs> we, we, we need to know about chewable. Please, Heath, that's please because you have a baby. <laughs> Give us peace. <laughs> so, again, like I don't want to uh, stomp on any nerds. No. Interpretations on no, 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 you can't go Kairos no, on this one. You we need answers. My <laughs> head, but I just picture it, you know. And if readers want to take this in a more jerkyish direction, like I don't want to to object to that. Um, in my head, it was basically caffeine infused chewing gum. Okay, nice. That's Love what, it. That's we just needed it. Like we weren't. None of our friendships were on the line about this question. <laughs> Unlike Kairos' oh, description. Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> <Shut up, Heath. laughs> um, but like, it was just, we, <laughs> we got chewable calf and we, calf and we needed to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess if you want to go purely literally based on the only thing we know about it, it does imply, you know, like take whatever calf is, whatever right. substance that is, you know, throwing it in like a blender and then putting that in a dehydrator to get a sort of fruit leather type thing. But I was, uh, I was not thinking in that, that yeah. literal space. I was, like, yeah, like I mean, chiclets. It, yeah, yeah. Is, 
there must be caffeine-infused gum in the world. There is. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there there is. sure is, yeah. yeah. There's caffeine-infused um, anything. But then we, but then we actually <laughs> talked about caffeine-infused jerky, <laughs> and it was weird. <laughs> yeah, don't like this. We don't like I don't... Mm. Anyway, thank yeah, you I for... I feel like if, if chewable calf were not... If, if there were more flavor to it than that, if it was, you know, more nutritious than that, it would be called, even just in shorthand something. reference, something other than that. It would be... Mm you know, calfed jerky or something. Oh man, that's uh, so good. Which may also <laughs> exist um, and should probably have a separate Wikipedia entry yes. just for, for the sake of thoroughness. I'm on it. Thank you for a new Twitter name. Um, <laughs> Is it chewable Seth? No, it's Seth jerky. <laughs> Great. I've already been chewable Seth. Oh, right. Um, right. <laughs> uh, okay. So going back to Twilight Company, um, was it your idea to strand the captain on the asteroid for half of a book or did Delray make you because you couldn't resist bringing in Twilight Company? No, no, it was, that was definitely me. That was, um, when I was playing with ideas for, uh, Shadowfall and just sort of throwing notes together and, um, you know, I think I probably, you know, there's stuff where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm not sure about this. I could use another point of view. I'm going to send my editor an email and see, uh, see if she has any strong opinions. Um, bringing Twilight Company in there was definitely one of the, this, this feels self-indulgent, but I also see a legitimate role for them here. Like, what, what do you think? Is this the way to go or not? And Elizabeth Schaefer, uh, my, my editor at Delray, she was all for it. So at that point I was like, all right, well, she, she doesn't have any qualms about it. So let's, let's go with it. Um, but then it was a matter of, okay, well, this is not their story. Um, so let's, not only is it not their story, I don't want people who are familiar with Twilight Company to be like, oh, and what's Twilight Company going to be doing? So, yeah, <laughs> just, we'll, we'll move the characters we know and love off to the side and we'll see, we'll see what, what happens with them. <laughs> You say self-indulgent. It's also very self-indulgent. <laughs> self-indulgent. <laughs> the moment I saw the sixty-first, I was like, "Twilight Company's here." Um, I do have a very quick question related to that. Is Gadrin doing okay? And is Carver still alive? You can Carver's just give dead. a quick maybe Carver's and maybe. Carver's dead. Carver's dead. So, yeah. So Gadrin, I have very specific ideas of what he might be up to at that time. Um, and I'm not going to speak to them. I don't think this is something that I'm going to revisit in the future, but just in case I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold it in reserve. Um, so, so I'm just gonna punt on that one. Mm -hmm. Is Carver alive? I would need to actually double check. I think <laughs> not. I... No, he's dead. In the book, you killed him. We don't see a body. <laughs> In the book, you killed him. Okay, yeah. We I don't mean, see a body. And I, I think that- There's just one person who's very insistent. <laughs> I think it even changed during my own, like, you know, first to second draft edits or something, just as I was tinkering with that whole sequence. And I may have, uh, I may have altered that, which particularly makes me not sure. But my, my instinct is that he's dead and- uh, 
Yeah, Twitch is definitely alive though. Yeah, I was very aware of Twitch being alive. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I um, yeah, I made everyone read Twilight Company before Shadowfall. <laughs> well, because how could you possibly understand Shadowfall without having? Yeah, exactly. Having and I would make a point to be possible. like, hey, remember this? Re remember this character Carver, who's definitely not a main character. There's no reason why I'm bringing them up at all. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's fine because they die in this book. That's so. a good five ten lines in twilight company oh i am yeah don't practically a major character <laughs> yeah, exactly any character in twilight company is a major character to me um <laughs> so this last bit for is more of a question no more of a comment than a question um but thank you for writing droids as like actual full characters and not gendering them as well because that fills me with joy yeah droids are droids are tricky gender wise um <laughs> I'm sure someday there will there will become some sort of consensus on how to approach that. Because clearly some of them are gendered in universe and then others aren't. And then some of it, some droids are sort of it and some are they, even when you're dealing with the non-gendered stuff. I, yeah, I did what I could. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad it worked for someone. It was very, we always get mad about droids being gendered and things, so we were very excited to have non-gendered droids. I mean, it definitely feels wrong to, like, gender a mouse droid or something, unless yeah. you've got someone who is specifically sort of anthropomorphizing that droid without a lot of reference to the droid's own agency, and I don't know if mouse droids really have any real inner life or agency so that may be okay maybe i am speaking deeply deeply offensively about mouse droids and <laughs> i don't know but yeah you've just been canceled by the mouse droid community like i'm sorry but <laughs> fortunately they don't buy a lot of books or play a lot of video games so i'm kind of okay with you're that you're safe okay great you're safe Feel a little bad but ultimately <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're gonna do a lightning round of glistener questions our glistener questions are questions we ask at the end of every episode and we have our listeners who we lovingly refer to as glisteners um answer and then at the end of each episode we read the answers from last week's question and award awards to what we deem the best answers are uh, so we're gonna do a quick light lightning round with you we've each picked our favorite glistener question from questions we've asked throughout these books. Um, I will start. Who would be the worst babysitter in the Star Wars galaxy? And it can't be a villain just because they're bad. In the entire, so like across all Everywhere. eras, across yep. all media. Yeah. Um, worst babysitter. I mean, I, I guess Anakin falls too far into villain category. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Terrible babysitter. Um, I came home, my kids were dead. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like Tarkin could probably find a competent babysitter to take his place. <laughs> wouldn't spend that much time on background checking and certainly wouldn't handle the job personally. So yeah, I think I think Tarkin, um, yeah, I think Tarkin worse than Krennic as I'm going yeah. through. Well, no, you said no villains, though. I guess I was thinking... Yeah. No villains, no. As no villains, just because they're bad. As, oh, as long okay. as the reason isn't just, well, he's evil, so obvious. Yeah. No, 
no, I don't think Tarkin would have any any maliciousness in his uh, his poor babysitting. I think <laughs> I think it would be expediency uh, that ultimately uh, came at the the cost, uh, but not so high a cost that the child would end up, you know, dead. Um, it's gonna be fine. I do feel like Tarkin gives off a look that he's never interacted with a child in his life. <laughs> and, um, but and, he does in Lost Stars. Lost Stars. He's oh, I forgot. <laughs> He's not great no, at it. he's like, here's a sugar packet or something. Like, <laughs> I think you're fully right, honestly. Not good. It's like a Kool-Aid packet is what it's described as. Like what yeah, like Chalice Rara. gets. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> Kool-Aid. Okay. So I have a, I have a very uh, riveting, hard-hitting question here for you. Uh, what does Bruce's mustache look like? <laughs> I mean... Are we talking like pencil thin, real bushy? I <laughs> We need to know. <laughs> I, I think I was Handlebar. bushier. I mean, I was thinking something very 70s in the tradition of Star mm. Wars mustaches. Um, I think beyond that, I hadn't pinned it down, but like there's so many mustaches in, you know, Star Wars in in A New Hope uh, specifically. They, they drop off as you go through the original trilogy, but uh, yeah, some, somewhere in that vein. Okay, so if you're sitting down for a therapy session with Ito, and you can choose any voice in the known galaxy to be the voice that Ido is using to therapize you. Whose voice would you pick and why? An existing Star Wars character or, or real, life, real life or human. Real life oh, in real life. Or well. a character from another property. Okay, okay. Um, like if you want to go goofy, you can go goofy. It's, we're not going to stop you. Like literally goofy. From yeah. <laughs> yeah, like goofy. Totally fine. <laughs> I'm going to go with David Warner. Um, I could kind of listen to David Warner at length in any sort of context. It might not be great therapy, but it would, <laughs> it would certainly keep me there and keep me engaged and interested. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Sorry, I had a moment there of like, David Warner, the cricketer? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, my question is... Uh, definitely Star Wars question. Um, what Star Wars character do you want to see in cats and what would they look like as a cat? And are we excluding all of the cat people? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's too easy. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels like a fairly natural fit, but... Yeah. <laughs> no tigress and cats. Well, and, and now my mind immediately goes to the other animal people. So, you know, what what would Hohas look like as a cat? It's Love just it. it's just runt, but he's got a second set of ears and cat ears. <laughs> he's wearing like a, a cheap party city cat mask. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. <sighs> okay, great. So last question. Which moment in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy gave you the most feels? I think I will I will go with the the epilogue of uh, of Victory's Price, right? Like that was it's not only sort of a big emotional culmination within the text, but it was also like me saying goodbye to this, this thing that took up two or three years or however long it took me to, to write the things of, uh, of a good portion of my life. So that was, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel confident in, in saying that one. Awesome. The easy second choice would probably be the, uh, the Sith Tower stuff from Oof, Yeah. But, yeah. uh we were really surprised when everybody lived it was yeah we, were, we, we were did not that we were like they were gonna die we we're ready for this and they didn't we were die. ready we were like, for everybody oh, to no. be dead 
and that that is actually we've been through this before (laughs) (laughs) that is something that we we had some conversations about um you know my my editor and i and the the uh, luke's film folk and yeah i mean it was there was you know i knew that they were not all going to die Uh, that was that was never going to be in the cards um but there was there was enough wiggle room in my early outlines that it was not definite who and how many uh, would, would, you know, it probably wasn't going to be more than one. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, like if I really wanted to change direction, I had the, the room to, to do it. Um, I'm, I'm actually a little embarrassed by how long it took to settle on oh, no, none of them should die. <laughs> I feel like it, it's so clearly the right answer for the, the story that we're actually dealing with, that it's, it's a story about surviving the war and what that does to a person. So killing someone off doesn't really add to those themes. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we're, we're just so grateful that you came. And, and to wrap up, you know we have to ask. We're sorry, but we have to. What can you tease for us upcoming? And we know you can't. And so just like blink twice if there's a Cairo standalone novel in the works. We won't tell our listeners. We're just going to react however we react. So I, I can actually answer fully and honestly on the Star Wars front on this one because the answer is I've got nothing Star Wars on my plate, at the moment, <laughs> which is a relatively, I mean, it's, there, there have been plenty of times when this has happened, but I think the longest time I have not been doing a Star Wars thing over the last 15 years was maybe 18 months or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like every single time I do a Star Wars thing, I think that it's, well, this could, this could be the last Star Wars thing I ever do. Um, and I sort of try to treat it that way emotionally and then things keep coming up. So, uh, so we'll we'll see what happens in that regard. Uh, I'm keeping plenty busy on uh, in other universes and other projects, though. So yeah. Are there if you, you can tease there, is oh. there anything I can tease there? Um, I've got some uh, I've got some comic book stuff going. Uh, I've got the uh, the Violet Dawn uh, comic. Uh, that's the the web comic project. That's uh, we're, we're eventually going to do a Kickstarter to, uh, to collect that st- sucker up at uh, violetdawn.com. I'm doing uh, a fair amount of video game work right now, most of which I can't talk about, uh, but I can mention that I am uh, doing some work with uh, a company called Archetype um, on an original uh, science fiction RPG. Um, but you're not going to be hearing much more than that for quite a while. So not not a lot of short-term teases. Oh, I know how that stuff works. <laughs> so if you could if revisit one character from the trilogy at any point in their lives, do you do you have some ideas of stories that you would want to revisit? I, again, I imagine there's probably some stuff you don't want to share, but... Sure. Um, I mean, the, the easy and obvious ones would be... Nath and his new crew or Cairo somewhere down the line. Um, you know, I, I do feel like, you know, and if you come back to me in six months, I may feel differently, but I feel like I've 
fairly well exhausted Quell, Chass, and Will's stories. Um, you know, you can you can always find something for them to do, but there's not a clear, oh, and here's what happens next, and it is dramatically interesting in such a way as you could get a space opera novel out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, whereas there there clearly is some opportunity on uh, on those other characters. Um, and of course, Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely think I speak for all of us when I say that I hope this wasn't your last Star Wars project, as you said. And I also hope it's not the last time we see Twitch. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, at the very least, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we get a third uh, certain point of view book and I get an invite in there. Like that'll, mm-hmm. that, that'd be a, gotta, gotta finish off the trilogy, but sure, we'll, sure. we'll see what happens. Turn of Jedi. Do a Star Wars one. Uh, I mean, an Ewok one. That'd be great. <laughs> I if if there is a third certain point of view book, I have to imagine it's going to be a solid third Ewok story. It has to be <laughs> with recanonization of really everything from the the Ewoks. Cartoon. Yeah, Asha <laughs> and just all of it. Yeah, uh. I mean, how how could anyone not go there? All right. Uh, we can listeners find you if they want to know your opinions on crabs. It <laughs> um, may or may not actually get opinions on crabs. But uh, for non-crab opinion, uh, <laughs> and possibly crab opinion sooner or later, I, I don't know. There's wow. a non-zero chance of crab opinion. <laughs> Uh, so there is the occasionally updated website at alexanderfried.com, um, which uh, I mostly point people to as a, hey, there's a lot of articles on writing and video game writing up there if, uh, if anyone's interested in- They're Very good articles uh, to anyone interested. <laughs> <laughs> so there, yes, at least one person will vouch for them. Um, and then for more, uh, more up-to-date uh, information, although I've, I've been a little bit Twitter silent lately. I'm going to get back on the horse at some point uh, at Alexander M. Freed on Twitter. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope this wasn't the worst interview you've ever had. <laughs> no, thank you for, uh, for having me and uh, yeah, for, for throwing everything at me and for all of these sort of diligent and dedicated interest in these books and yeah yeah, I mean it's it's wonderful to have people out there who actually care about this stuff uh, as much as they care about the Jedi Academy trilogy (laughs) (laughs) like to be fair like most I mean we're somewhat respectful (laughs) to other books but it's very rare that we actually read books that we like get this series it's very rare we actually read the entire series of a book as well (laughs) it's very rare I read a book (laughs) (laughs) period yeah not in this case but it has happened (laughs) it's from time to time um seriously though thank you and uh yeah it it's it really is wonderful that people have have taken to these books and you know engaged with the ideas and the characters and yeah all of it oh thanks We succeeded! We did it! (laughs) 
Um, so, wow, we just had Alexander Freed on the show. That just happened. <laughs> it just uh, happened. Wow. He, what the hell? I'm still in like a. Seth, like that was a, a master, masterful performance. Thank really, you, truly. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. I, I practiced. Beautiful. Yeah, we could tell the practice was there. Um, <laughs> God, he knows we call him Shadow Son. If he listened to one of <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, he said he listened to an episode. And I was like, was it one of the Alphabet Squad? When you asked the question about the nickname so cheekily, like the knowing smile on his look, I was like, oh God, he's listened. <laughs> he's oh, listened. I was like, oh God, he's still on the sword case thing. I was so too scared to ask him about keys in case he said that Keys' name was like Kai's or something. Oh, oh that would ruin no. everything. Yeah, I was, no, that's why I didn't want to ask We can never know. We needed to know about Chewable Calf, but we when did not like, need to know how to pronounce it. When he was keys. like, I have listened to an entire episode of Rogue Padron, I was just like, oh God. Oh, oh no, shit. I'm I'm so like, sorry. So, we were like, so reading so far for this soon. Not even our not even our glisteners listened to all that. <laughs> that makes one. That's where the one came from. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit, we found it. Oh boy. Do you want to say I'm glad I was right about how to say Ito, which I was very happy about. Just saying that to those glisteners, I said I wasn't. Um You're correct. I was correct. Alexa, you know what to do. Play vindicated. Play vindicated by a dashboard confession. Yeah. I also felt that way when he said <laughs> that Carver's dead. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I everybody, really appreciated that he refused to answer what Kairos looks like. So we can Yeah, I the way you described that, I was like, nice. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. Whew. That was oh. that was great. Look what we did a thing. Um listeners, listeners, I hope you were surprised. Um because you never thought we'd get someone real on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we did, and it was great, and we did not embarrass ourselves more than we needed to um, when we apply for the podcast stage at celebration next year it's just going to be this episode three times yeah, absolutely. In our application it's be episode, yeah. we're professionals yeah, yeah. um all right uh saf do you want to take us out i sure can um oh no my spiel is ruined because we don't have a glister question <gasps> um if you want to hear about our crab facts. Yeah, if you want to, no, that's the wrong one. Uh, okay, hit us up on Twitter at roguepodron. You can email us at roguepodron.com. Uh, that's not an email us- address. Just <laughs> 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 yeah, I missed can. this up. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, hit us up on Twitter. Okay. We've had a very emotionally draining hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> okay, wait, okay. Hit us up on Rogue Padron. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us, up on us up. <laughs> Hit us up at Padron on Twitter. Our email is roguepodron at gmail.com. Our website is roguepodron.com. You can find us on your favorite podcatcher, uh, whatever that is, I guess. Um, <laughs> so uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever met Spud, sometimes he yells our episodes if you listen real close. Um, if you want to know our crab facts, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash roguepodron. And we have no reviews this week. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Yeah. Especially because we put in so much work for this episode. We deserve it. This was a very, this was this was a very emotionally draining episode, y'all. We're hungry. <laughs> we We're so hungry. We prepped so much. We got here so early. Like we were. If there was any time to give Rogue Padron five gold stars, it's right now. Yeah. All right. So next time, season 21 will begin and we'll be revealing a full chapter breakdown soon as someone makes a graphic of the chapters I put into the chat. Um, But the first episode will cover chapters one through four of the Jedi Academy trilogy, book one, Jedi 
search. So until next time, this is Rogue Padron. Sorry, I'm mashing it all. <laughs> you already did that. I guess. <laughs> you already did that. All right. All right. It's a group like timed pew pew. Have yeah, it's not, just, no, just it's like just pewing. pew as you pew, pew at your own pace. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nick does like a sign off thing and then we do pew. Yeah, so the I'll, pew do the, coaching. I'll do the sign off and then you can pew with us. So okay. it's, um, and with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew 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 Loop that if you need additional pews. That'll actually be the episode of release. Is just an add a little pew. Add a little beat under our interview with Alexander Freed. Every question answer is just pew pew. Ha, ha, ha.